Welcome once again to Not Playing with Lex and Dan. I'm Lex. I'm Dan. And as you recall, this is the podcast where we watch movies that most people have seen, but that one or both of us has missed. This time around, we're watching a movie that Dan has seen, that Dan vouches for every joke. <laughs> oh, <in>. no. <laughs> uh, I would like to step away right now, please. <laughs> I have looked up multiple times what this movie is called to make sure it's trading places and not trading spaces, which was a home improvement show I did watch. So close. But we're watching Trading Places. Dan, you've seen it, but it's been, it's been a minute. I have. It, it's been a minute. That's right. I, you know what? I watched this with my parents <laughs> at mm. one point, and I definitely remember there being some uh, content in it that was like not a thing that me as, oh God, how old was I? I was probably, you know, either in my young teens or sort of tweens, mm. uh, probably at least like a little bit like, oh. That was probably a little more uh, adult than I figured. So, yeah, that part of it I remember. And I remember the premise and everything. But this is, this is not about what I remember. This is about what you know. So, Training Places, uh, I, I know that it stars Eddie Murphy and I believe Dan Aykroyd. I assume they were both SNL actors by that point. Like, Eddie Murphy got his major discovery from SNL. So, yes, and Aykroyd. Okay, so they both SNL stars at this point. And I believe it's one of those, I think, supernatural swapping deals. Like, I don't think it's just like, hey, you take on my gig and I'll take on yours. I think they actually, like, switch and so they're embodying each other. Now, given Mm -hmm. that this is a movie, do you know the year? It's from the 83. 83. Is this early? So, I'm going to guess it doesn't handle race well. It's always interesting with Eddie Murphy too, right? Because I think that was what a lot of his, a lot of his shtick, for lack of a better word, was commentary on that. And you know, again, he was. We watched so we previously watched Beverly Hills Cop, which mm-hmm. was later than this, right? I want to say it was so. yeah. So it was the year after. It was eighty four. So I'm just yeah. It is interesting, right? Because like, it's certainly you know, it's the eighties, like you said, but also I feel like he was always doing kind of edgy stuff related to that. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I. So I'm concerned about that a little bit as we go in, and I, you know, you and I are watching via stars, so we've moved past all the stars intro stuff. But uh, I saw that stars said like this has outdated references, outdated cultural references, or something. Yeah, that's just know. about movies that were from the '80s that you would know, right? <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's yeah. all it is. I'm guessing it's it's just it's going to be dated, and that's fine. It also it, it hinted at nude scenes, so I'm guessing that's what you didn't like watching with your parents. It was weird. <laughs> I feel like I know a visual from this movie where Eddie Murphy is in a fancy fur coat, but I could be wrong. That mm. could be a different movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really know nothing. I think it's supernatural play switching, and they've got to like do each other's lives. And so we're going to see a lot of Dan Aykroyd attempting to sound like Eddie Murphy in ways that are not okay. <laughs> we'll see. That's my guess. I don't really know. You do, but I do not. I may or may not. Again, I have seen this movie once, and it was probably 25 years ago. <laughs> And again, so, you said that this movie stands for everything you believe in. That's not what I said. I'm just going to quickly put a disclaimer on all of this. <laughs> what I, I said was, if I were left at home, I would clearly start a brothel out of my parents. <laughs> no, wait, no. <nope. laughs> but I really, I can't name anybody else who's in it. You can't name anybody else in this movie. Okay. You don't know anything else. You don't know about any connections between this movie and other movies. No. Okay. All right. Okay. 
And yeah, that's it. So I, I, I'm assuming we get a Freaky Friday style swap and un, unrelated mostly, but I've been reading a, 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 you know, just a book. I don't even know what it is. I'm reading a book recently. You're reading Kindle, a book and you don't know what it is. This is a great story so far. I, I never know the names of the books I'm reading because my Kindle never got that update where it shows the title of the book on the cover. So I never know the names of the books. But I thought it was just a book about people and then it had a Freaky Friday thing. In it. And they like a modern enough book that they talk about, wow, my God, Freaky Friday is like a movie and now it's actually happening to us. And I had no idea that this book had that mm-hmm. element in it. So it's pretty mm-hmm. exciting. But anyway, that's what I assume. I really don't know. Uh, but I'm, I don't know, how can these two guys not be funny? If we can set aside all of their dated stuff, <laughs> which I how feel can like Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy not be funny? We've had to do in a few other places mm-hmm. so far this season. I mean, sure. Basically, I was about to say any movie made before now, but at the same time, it's like, no, any movie now. Any movie you watch is always going to have problems because there's stuff that was different in the era in which it was made. Yes. You know, you just got to kind of acknowledge it for what it is and recognize that it was an outdated view and, and move past that. I mean, I think yeah. we risky business and and um, I mean, a little bit of a few good men last week, right? Like there were a couple comments in there that we were hmm. like, yeah, it's not really not really the way you would say it today. Right. Well, I'm excited. I, right. I, I'm okay. assuming it's going to be funny. So Boy, we'll... I hope so. Otherwise, this is going to be a going to be a real dead time. Let's just you and me watch it with nobody else. Yeah, I don't know. I, we should do this privately. I feel like <laughs> just you and me. You know, Dan, we often do this very setup, but th- at this point, listeners know. So I think today <laughs> we have is to tired convince of the them. setup. Is what I'm. Told. I think we have to convince them. Okay, I think we have to right. convince them. Okay, well, I want to tell you this. There's nothing I like more than watching these movies with Lex, and part Aww. of it, I know, I enjoyed a lot because I think. You know, we're not super talky-talky all the time, but, like, I think we are pretty... Uh, that was I think the original name of this podcast, Super, super talky, talky, talky all the time. Oh, that's a great name, actually. I think we do a nice job of, like, balancing the commentary and the jokes with actually following the movie. And, you know, it's fun. It's like watching a movie with your friends, right? Like, that's... Your I think witty, that's talented, handsome friends. Very handsome friends. So, for me, I think it's fun to do the commentary tracks. We'd be doing this even if we weren't distributing it. I, that's Because right. we're, we're weirdos like that. <laughs> <laughs> and friends but the point is you can watch with us all you have to do is become members of the incomparable and dan's going to tell you how right now that's right you go to the incomparable.com slash members you can sign up for one of the several membership plans available they start at just five bucks a month and all of them all of them cheap cheap easy all of them get you great benefits uh including not only our commentary tracks but also bootleg tracks that are uh, released before they're edited they get you uh, the first class feed which has a bunch of bonus content in it that's not available elsewhere uh they get you some swag they get you access to the incomparable member slack which is a exclusive community for incomparable members to hang out in lots of great stuff and of course as we said already our commentary tracks that's the whole reason you're there right Woo! that's why i'm there so go to the incomparable.com slash members and watch along with us. So Lex. Yes, Dan. I have news for you. Hit me. You have seen trading places. I have, Dan. And uh, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Definitely as we feared ahead of time of its era. Probably not even okay then. <laughs> but really, like, it was it was funny. And as you and I discussed, there were at least multiple times where some of the terrible behavior was meant to be seen as terrible. Right, right. Even Even there, I think they probably, like you said, they went farther than 
even when it's espoused by people who we don't like and are not supposed to like and are supposed to be bad people, there is still... It was extreme. It, it was extreme and something deeply uncomfortable about it. And of course, there is, we should note, there, oh, is, a, there is a blackface scene <laughs> performed by Dan Aykroyd, which <laughs> I had zero memory of from watching this movie 25 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, Dan Aykroyd shows up in blackface in the final act of the movie, I guess yeah, you say, or the, yes. something like that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. Um, I feel like you can't see it today and not immediately be extremely uncomfortable, maybe yep. even horrified, yep. but, uh, yeah, but okay. So I don't know if you can say setting aside the <laughs> extreme racism of the blackface, but if we, if we try that for a moment, like here's the, the fault with this movie to me outside of being, you know, of its era and in some cases worse than its era is that as we were kind of just joking there at the end. There's no moral here. Right, like, right. Some rich jerks get their comeuppances, and I would love to talk about those rich jerks more, but then other folks just become the new rich jerks. So Dan Aykroyd was a rich jerk and then becomes a rich jerk again. <laughs> like, By the way, I enjoy their people credited here as schleppers. Schleppers. That's, <laughs> that was, that's fantastic. That blew my mind, actually. But uh, it was funny. It was cute. It had really good moments. I thought that Dan Aykroyd was very, very funny physically. I thought that you know, there's there's Eddie Murphy movies where he's like on, and there's Eddie Murphy's where he's, movies where he's not, and he was definitely on in this movie and quite enjoyable to watch. He basically can't not watch him, but like I don't know, it only exists for the humor. There's no, I'm not saying that I need a moral in my comedies. I certainly don't, but like it has almost the opposite conclusion of what you want. Like you want to see our our heroes win, right, but you want to see right. them not be monsters. Like right, we, let me see them helping other troubled people. Like yeah. Eddie's character was early in the movie. Instead yeah. of living on their private island. Right. I, I think that there's a really, there's like a, a core of an interesting film here, right? Which is the whole idea of like, is it, is it nature or nurture, right? Like, is this, can you just take two people, swap their circumstances, and uh, everything else falls away? And I think one place this movie probably falls down a bit is it does not really address the fact that you've also switched a black man and a white man, right? Like, yeah. Even even putting Eddie Murphy in a situation where he is rich and privileged is not going to, uh, you know, let him escape the realities of being a black man in the U.S., especially in the in that era. So some of that is glossed over, right? Because we have our our two rich uh, brothers sort of paving the way there and smoothing out a lot of that, and they sort of. There are some tips of the hat to it, but it doesn't really commit on that regard. But I think that that core idea of having these two characters swap lives, essentially, is kind of fascinating. And I love that it then comes together with them teaming up to, you know, basically point out the people who made the better awful. But as you then explained, the, the ending undercuts it a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, before we watched, I thought this was a supernatural Freaky Friday kind of situation. <laughs> I didn't want to disabuse you, but... It was not. Um, so, if you haven't seen it, in fact, two very, very rich white people use their evil ways, I guess, to give Eddie Murphy all the things that Dan Aykroyd has and to make Dan Aykroyd a criminal and destitute person, who, of course, is helped by a prostitute with a heart of gold, which is a mm -hmm. running theme, apparently, this season. Yes. <laughs> You're not, not playing. Uh, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And, and business so, acumen, though. I want to point out once again. Right. I, I felt like I feel like there seems to be a trope of in, in the 1980s where it's like, 
it's not just the prostitute with a heart of gold, but it's the one where it's like, but they're savvy and they're doing it of their own accord and they, they know what the trade-offs are, right? Like, yes. there, there's always, that seems to be something that this has in common with risky business. So I don't know Ralph Bellamy as a person, although clearly I should, like clearly quite famous, but he and Don Amici, who play the Duke brothers, I thought were great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, they, they play their evil, rich, powerful men, brothers, delightfully. And I, I was reading that uh, Don Amici, apparently a very religious person, and he has he drops an F-bomb near the end of the movie, and he gave them one take. He had never said the F-bomb on film before. He wasn't a swearer, and he said, I'll do one take of it when his brother has the heart attack. And he's like, F him. <laughs> so they, that was the only time they shot that. <laughs> but I thought they were really, really good. Yeah, and it, a movie that we have previously watched has a connection. Those two characters appear in in coming to America. coming to America. They're outside, I want to say, at some point where they sort of run across them, and it's you know a deliberate, obviously, reference to the earlier film, but it's very brief. And I haven't watched the the sequel that Amazon put out. I have I'm, not either. I, I'm told that they're in that one too, according to the internet. Really? Aren't they dead? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you know, that's a great question. Ralph Bellamy uh, died in 91, so he is definitely dead. <laughs> well, so the, the characters are referenced. Ah, in the I Coming see. To I see. That makes more sense. <laughs> I think the only, the only character I really like for the most part in this is uh, Coleman, who I think is, uh, first of all, I love Dan Home Elliott. He's great. Um, but, you know, he's kind of just dragged into this, and I enjoy that he gets his chance to kind of make good in part of it and he seems to legitimately like both of them so i think that kind of makes him our most redeeming character in the film yeah but i enjoy that a lot i think jamie lee curse is good but there is a boy they uh they sure make her take her top off a whole bunch (laughs) yeah so there multiple times we we have women getting naked in this movie for no real reason no zero well i mean for one reason (laughs) But for because John Landis loves that in his yeah, movies. Yeah. But yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis's was like over the top unnecessary. Like yep. just served no purpose other than somebody wants to see Jamie Lee Curtis naked. Like that was, I, I felt for her. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think it did not, nothing in this movie required that, right? Like it doesn't add anything. It has no purpose for any of the scenes in which that is the case. Right. It's, it's, it's even, it's, they try to treat it as like super casual in those scenes because it has no point. It's right. just, yeah. It's, it is gratuitous. So, you know, there's that. I, I kind of, part of me wonders like, could you remake this movie today, right? Like just taking the premise and sort of running with that. And I feel like, again, like I said before, I think there's an interesting idea in there i think there's an interesting like plot in that but i think it's kind of unfortunately and, and like bolstered by perf- great performances by both Ackroyd and murphy uh but i think hampered by the era and some of the you know just in some ways not committing hard enough but i yeah. i like the moments where like dan Ackroyd is clearly like you know lost <laughs> lost all hope lost the thread right like you know he's running around the christmas party in the santa outfit with a gun <laughs> like right it's yes, funny we, we kind of yeah we glossed over that he intends to try to murder people and then there's like uh, basically a joke where he's going to kill himself and the gun fails like a lot of very dark and and not super sensitive moments in 2021 vision and as we watch this like we we recorded this episode june 21st 21 and like i think that in this it, to the question of could it be remade, I think it could be remade well. I think it's tough. Yeah. I think it's hard to get movies made that are about 
in some ways taking down rich people, even though this ended with new people becoming rich mm, instead. Mm. But like, it's hard to get, it's hard to get Hollywood to want to make movies unless it's like society all agrees these rich people are bad. Like Hollywood make movies like rich people are bad <laughs> in general. Like that's not a common trope. Do you know what I mean? Like that's why I think it'd be hard to get yeah, remade. I guess I don't know. Because I mean, I feel like most of us can agree rich people are bad. <laughs> yes, most of us can. I mean, at a certain level, right? At a certain level, you, you, it's the it's the antithesis of punching down, right? It's the we can all feel yeah. good about punching up at somebody who's like a you know, if it were a billionaire, right? Who were on there, and you're like, well. That billionaire doesn't care. They have a billion dollars, right? Like right. making mean jokes about them in a movie is not, they can go and cry <laughs> into their piles of money. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's true. And interestingly, I believe that what the, the Duke brothers are doing in this movie as insider trading wasn't illegal at the time. Like the fraud involved in <laughs> sure getting this stuff ahead of time, not okay. But like to use inside information wasn't explicitly illegal. It now is. So like, interestingly, it was only like these guys are, are mean for using their money to their advantage versus look at how evil and dastardly it is a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know. So I uh, listen, I think that these were two, the, the two, well, I was saying to you that during the movie that it felt like the, the Duke brothers were as much the stars as Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy were. And I really think they held their own, although they were clearly one no characters. But I thought that, that Eddie and Dan, as I call them, were both, no, they sure. have their own yeah. podcast, not playing with Eddie and Dan. Not playing with Eddie and Dan, yeah. <laughs> but I thought that they were both very funny. I thought they were both oh, very, yeah. very good in this movie. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, I, I talked at one point about Eddie Murphy's voice and how he uses it really well, which I think he does. But Dan Aykroyd had... I assume Dan Aykroyd is Canadian just from the way yes, he talks yes. about this movie. But like he he was sometimes like almost British posh Madonna-esque yeah, that, talking. Or, and, or that 1950s kind of, you know, old, yeah. very, very cultured, you know, highbrow American accent thing. Yes. You can't do that to me. Yeah. And it was just. Yeah. But I thought they both were so funny physically and vocally throughout this movie. And I thought they really did a great job. Apparently, originally intended, it was developed for Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Mm. It was developed for Richard Pryor. <laughs> Just gonna let that one go and uh this is so i think this is only murphy's second movie and 48 hours hadn't even come out yet. 48 hours had not come out yet and they didn't love the idea of 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 casting him but they they managed to get him in and uh, jamie lee curtis they didn't want either because she was seen as like a b horror movie actress which is mm. ironic yeah. yeah there as we kept pointing out there are a ton of of random uh, like random Very people, people. Yeah, or even mildly famous people it's like oh yeah that guy i know that guy but then you know also you did Al- a great job spotting Giancarlo esposito and yeah you were about oh to my mention God, yeah. franken before i interrupted you and yeah was very like- young Giancarlo esposito yeah yeah, a very young Al Franken too. My God, I now oh, I have yeah. to do the math. This movie was 1983. Al Franken is 70 in 2021. Okay, all right. So this is almost 40 years ago, right? So yeah, 1951 is when he was born. My gosh. So yeah, he was he was in his early 30s. Yeah, that's crazy. Apparently, they also tried to cast G. Gordon Liddy as Clarence Bees, <laughs> and he was interested until he learned about the gorilla thing. Uh, and that's why explains why Paul Gleason is reading G. Gordon Liddy's autobiography on the train. <laughs> Interesting. 
that I, I even forgot about the gorilla stuff. I, I would basically say that if, if it's not a, a movie about King Kong and a gorilla shows up, I know I'm not going to like it. Mm, mm, okay. Especially if it's a comedy. That's not like a, that's not a Friedman rule of cinema, but it seems to happen. What a about, lot. uh, what about, uh, which is it's in one of the Pink Panther movies. There's a whole gorilla sequence. One of the Peter Sellers ones. I've never seen any of the Pink Panther movies. Oh, wow. Okay. It sounds like whataboutism to me. Okay, sure. Uh, but the, the, but uh, I'm pretty sure, although they don't show it explicitly, thank God, they're saying that this grill is going to sexually assault that guy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And not murder him, I guess. But so, yeah, a lot of very poor comedic choices. But like the... When you get to the, the verbal and physical comedy of the movie, I think that stuff is done well. When you get to some of the other stuff, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I did like it. Um, um, I don't regret having seen it. Yeah. No, I, I, it was interesting to rewatch after many, many years. Like I said, I watched this with my parents, and I think I'm going to have some words with them. It was felt <laughs> It's bit, not their fault. No, it's not. I mean, it's possible they had seen it maybe earlier than that, and like, and I don't remember even. It was so long ago. But I'll, I remembered a few of the scenes. I told you I remember the scene where they sit him down and they explain commodities trading, which is still how the only reason I know what commodities trading is. <laughs> Uh, I remembered that scene. I will say very distinctly remember that scene where Dan Aykroyd is sitting sick in bed and Jamie Lee Curtis gets in bed with him. That was for yeah. whatever reason emblazoned on my memory as a 15, 14-year-old, 15-year-old. I don't know why. Don't know why. Hard to say. But yeah, I I think, I, I mean, obviously, as we said, both really talented comedic actors, a good supporting cast, a clever idea, some solid writing, some great physical comedy, and, you know... 30 to 45 percent problematic stuff <laughs> yeah that's right 30 to 45 percent problematic sounds about right <laughs> oh man but I, I appreciate your showing it to me and if nothing else i hope that the next movie we watch we can keep it in pennsylvania because okay. what an exciting surprise it was that this started in philadelphia pennsylvania a city i feel a lot of i would call it brotherly love towards yeah i can see why you would feel that way i suppose yeah well, what what shall we do for our next movie? I think we are reaching the halfway point of our season. We've traded. We've taken turns watching movies that one of us has seen. We have traded places, indeed. <laughs> and I think maybe it's time for us to go back to a movie neither of us has seen. Uh, if I'm finding my line in the script here, yes, I agree. That is what we should do. There we go. Yep, it's right there. Check the teleprompter. <laughs> so next week, we will be checking out the 1985 film Witness, which neither Lex nor I have ever seen, but I, I know is a, a well-regarded film. So that will be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I always like seeing movies I haven't seen. I know two things about it, and I'll save it for next time, because <laughs> that's all I know. Well, that is it for us this week. We will be back next time to watch Witness, and until then, we remind everybody out there, mm-hmm. keep watching the Mar. Kits. <laughs> Dan, if I could trade places with anybody else who didn't watch this movie with you tonight, I would not. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Alex. Listen, we're really, really rich. That's oh, maybe. that makes I mean, you learned something from that movie. <laughs> It's like when you go to the office, right? Yes. This is the quintessential important person in the office building scene. When I go to the office, it's my home office. So it's stepping over the dog and closing the door. Does the dog say good morning?
and coming out again right away because I forgot my water. That's, that's my typical morning office entrance. Morning, Mr. Friedman. Wow. How many shots do you think it took to time that elevator opening at exactly the right time? The things they can do with special effects, Lex. 